No, I am not Eric E. Stepp, but apparently we shop at the same place. So I, uh, I'm Matthew Phillips. I'm the student pastor here for those of you who I have not met, and I have the privilege to be able to uh, speak to you today, bringing you God's word, especially for our graduates. The band that was just up here, that was our student band that played, and so that was Will, our middle school minister, who led us those last couple songs. So thank you all uh, for that. Last summer, as we do every summer, our students are part of a leadership course called Student Leadership University. In fact, we're taking a group of students down to Orlando, Florida this coming summer. Many of you have been a part of that. And uh, this past summer, we went to Washington, D.C. And when we were up there, we had the privilege, which another group, sorry for those who went, have, have been before, have not been able to do this, but we were able to go to the White House and while we were there, uh, our group kind of scurried on fast, walking through, as, as most students probably would, not really necessarily appreciating everything that they were about to see. But I, I was really trying to take in everything, and I began a conversation with a, a, one of the Secret Service detail. And as I was talking to this individual, what kind of brought the conversation on was there was a painting in one of the rooms where we were, and I saw that painting, and I was looking at it, and I said, that, that painting reminds me, it looks like it's Abraham and Isaac, and he's Abraham going to sacrifice his son Isaac, and it kind of struck me as an odd painting, and I came and I asked the guy, I said, can you explain to me what this painting is? I said, is that Abraham and Isaac? He said, yeah, that, that is exactly it, and so it sparked up a conversation about different uh, biblical pictures and, and paintings all around the White House. Well, during that time, he told me a story that was told to him by one of the butlers who had served in the White House for several different presidents. And he told me the story of, of Ron the butler that took place shortly after September 11th. He said that morning, as he always would, he would get up, he'd prepare the president's breakfast, and he put it on the table, and he had his newspaper, he folded it like the president liked it, and he had it down on the table. And the butler stood off to the side as he was supposed to, and he just stood there in salute, looking down as the president was eating his breakfast. All of a sudden, he heard this big clang, and he looked up, and he noticed that the president had taken his breakfast and just thrown everything off the, the uh, table. He threw down his newspaper, and he looked, and he noticed the president was sitting there crying. Crying because there is a burden that was on his shoulders because he knew there is a decision that must be made as a result of what happened to our country and that decision was on him. In those moments, the butler's not supposed to intervene in what was going on, but there were not many staffers in the White House because they had gone home based on the situation that had taken to our country. The butler then came over and he looked at the president and he said, Mr. President, the president looked at him and he said, Ron, he said, I want you to know that whatever you decide, I support you, the staff supports you, and the country supports you. Now, that one decision impacted the rest of the world because later that day, 
was when the president publicly proclaimed that we were not going to let terrorism defeat us, but we were going to go after them. A lot has changed since that time, but one decision has impacted the new world in which we live. And today as I look at these graduates and today as we look at this passage of scripture that we'll be diving into, there is a decision that has to be made for all of us. See, every decision that you make affects the next decision. In fact, as I was looking this up, I noticed in psychology today, it says that we will make on average about 35,000 decisions a day. Now, I'm not very good at math, but I was able to go to a calculator and I factored in if we lived 80 years, we would make 1,022,000,000 decisions throughout our lifetime. You know, Every decision affects the next, but there is one decision that we will see today that will affect every other decision that you will ever make in your life. See, you have chosen a school that you're going to, or you have chosen a path that you are going to pursue, but the decision that I am talking about today is a decision that will affect what you do at school, how you live your life, and it will affect every other decision that you will ever make. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to be looking in verses 14 through 18. In this passage of Scripture, what we see has taken place is Moses was the the leader of Israel. He's the one who led them out of Egypt when they were enslaved. And Moses is no longer the leader, but the next leader who came after Moses, his name is Joshua. Now, where Joshua is in this passage is he is at the end of his life. Joshua has served. He has been a part of this people. He has seen how Moses led. And where he is at this moment is he is looking back on his life, and he realizes that there is a decision that needs to be made for the nation of Israel, and it is a decision that we ourselves personally must make, and that is the decision of who is our God. As a good leader would do, Joshua met with all of the leaders throughout the the tribes of Israel. They all came to him. We see this in chapter 23, so we'll be kind of back and forth between these two chapters. But where we are in chapter 24 is as he has already met with the leaders, he is now meeting with the people, the people, the common folk. They've all come to this area called Shechem, and they are meeting with him, and this is the proclamation, the declaration that Joshua challenges them with. It says here in verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, 
we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. In this passage, there's two things that we see. It's decision and devotion. There's a decision that needs to be made, but that decision reveals where our devotion lies. What we see is there are two decisions to serve God, to serve other gods. And as a result of those decisions, we see who the people are devoted to. They're devoted to either the true God, Yahweh, that we see in Scripture, or they are devoted to the other gods that have crept into their culture and tried to take their attention. So as we look at this passage and we're challenged by what Joshua is telling us, there's really uh, two things that I want us to understand. The first one is this, is that we need to remember the past, but we don't live there. Remember the past, but don't live there. I love what George Santayana says. He says, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So we look to the past. Well, what do we see in the past? Well, Joshua shows us a couple things as we look and reflect on the past of Israel. And what he does is he lays this out in a very practical, historical way. Students, you're going to be faced with decisions in your life. And church, you are faced with decisions each and every day. One of the things that this passage challenges on is this, is that most of the time we don't need to react based on decisions that we make. or We don't need to make decisions based on reactions, based on feelings. But we need to look back and we need to write down and see the facts to help us make the wise choices in life. This is what Joshua is telling us as he lays this out. So as he lays it out, what are one of the things that we see here? Well, he tells us this, that we need to remember where the Israelites came from. Where do the Israelites come from? Well, we see in verse 14, Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. The Israelites were once enslaved in Egypt. Before that, their nation was only a nation of promise. That God promised Abraham. Abraham never got to see this great nation. And so this is a nation full of of wanderers. And they're coming to this point where they now have a promised land. So the present tense is a time of prosperity. But what Joshua wants them to see is, hey, how did you get there? So he wants us to look back to see our past, not live there, but to understand it. What does that mean for us? Well, it simply means this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we look back on each and every one of our lives, when I look back on my life, I don't have to go very far to realize that I am a sinner, that I have messed up, that I have screwed up. And what that does for me is this, two things. One, it helps me understand that I need a Savior. I need a Savior. But it also helps me understand that I'm no better than anybody else. Students, when you are in college, or whatever it is that you are going to do, you need to realize this. You always need a Savior. But no matter what degree you get, no matter what anyone else tells you, you're no better than the other person. You serve people. You love people. When we look back on our life, we realize that we are no greater than anybody else. There's only one who is great, and he's the one who supplies this life. His name is Jesus. So we serve him. We love him. 
and that enables us to serve others. So Joshua wants us to remember that. But then he also wants us to understand how we got to this point. How do the Israelites get to this point? Well, we look back in Joshua 23, verses 9 through 13, it tells us this. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. So as you look back on your life, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you need to come to the realization that Christ is the only one who has made the provision for you. The Israelites did not conquer the land. God conquered it for them, and he said, here you go. This is what I promised. I don't know what is going to happen in your life, and I cannot guarantee prosperity from the way that the world likes to discuss prosperity, but I can promise you this, the prosperity of peace that comes in this life because of the life that is to come, which Christ is the only one who can provide. So is Christ the one you are seeking? Because he is the only one who can make a way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He makes the way. What path are you following? So Joshua wants us to look back. He wants us to see how we got there. But then the other thing he wants us to remember as we look into the past is this is where we will go if we decide to follow God. He goes on to write in chapter 23, verses 11 and 13, he says, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap, a whip on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Joshua lays the record straight. He says, hey, this is what God has done. This is what God will do. And if you do not continue to follow God, don't expect to have a life that's all cushy-cushy. He wants us to understand where our hope lies. As I was researching this passage, another place in Scripture where someone went and created this historical account wanting us to really assess the situation before us is John. We see this in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What we see here is that our hope in all of these things is Jesus. And what Joshua tells us is he says, hey, you cannot serve two gods at the same time. I don't think my wife would like it very much if on Friday nights when we put the kids to bed, I say, hey, I got a date with my other lady. I mean, that's not what that looks like. The Bible tells us in the illustration that Joshua uses is one of marriage. He says that we are married to God. And when we break that, it is lost. 
And so we've got to understand and we've got to pursue God just as we would a spouse and to love them. What does it say? It says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. I love that this is what Joshua hits us with right at the beginning. You know, I'm the type of guy, just just give it to me straight. You know, before we'd go out and and play, uh, when I was in high school, before I'd go out, not necessarily before a baseball game. It's hard to get real hype for a baseball game. But before my basketball games, I would always go on Fridays, if I could, I'd watch Hoosiers. Hoosiers just got me real pumped up, and I was ready to go. Now, that may seem really lame, but that's what got me excited. And so I'd go out, I'd be ready to play and make every shot. I love what Joshua does. Joshua just puts it together. He lays it out for us, and he says, this is what you must do. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. What that means is that we are to fear the Lord out of reverence, not being afraid, but out of reverence, knowing who he is. And as a result of that, we serve him wholeheartedly. What this means in the Hebrew is to serve him purely, to be pure, to be 100% wholeheartedly. So the question we have to ask ourselves is how committed are we in our love to serving God? So we look at the past to impact us for the future. But we're not to live there. So what do we do from here? Well, Joshua gives us another thing in verse 15. He tells us this. He says, remain faithful to God and he will surprise you. So when we look at this passage, we need to understand that we are to remain faithful to God, and God will surprise us. Verse 15 says this, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What Joshua is telling the nation is this. Hey, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you have been doing. God gives us this great gift called grace that allows us to repent and to follow him. Zechariah 1.3 says, Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. I love how Mark writes it in his gospel. He says in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That is the beauty of Jesus. That is the message of the gospel that no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, there is grace the repentance for the future. Y'all are going to be faced with a lot of different decisions. And my prayer is no different than any of your parents. Is there may be some that are not going to be very good. But we just pray you don't get yourself killed or somebody else in the process. But let me tell you this much. Through those times there still is grace. And hopefully, if you're still with us, 
an opportunity to make decisions for the future. That doesn't mean that, oh, there's grace, therefore I can go and sin because God is always going to forgive me. Yes, there is some truth in that, but here's the thing. If that is your attitude, then you don't understand grace. Because grace demands more of us. What that simply means is this, is that if I grasp God's grace, then I want to honor him. Because I understand his love. I understand who I once was. I understand that even in my sinful state, Jesus went to the cross and died for me. Therefore, I want to honor him with my life. I want to be faithful to him with my life. Loving him in all that I do. What do we see? We see that Joshua was faithful to God. He was faithful to God when it was not popular. He was faithful to God when he was standing alone. In the passage of Scripture, we see three cultures that have come into the culture of Israel. They are based on bodies of water. The Bible tells us the Euphrates, the Red Sea, and the Jordan River. They all reflect a culture, the Babylonian culture, the Egyptian culture, and the Amorites. All three of these cultures worshipped a God who was not Yahweh. But Joshua stood firm. How did he stand firm? Well, we see in Joshua 1.8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to what to that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Listen to me, seniors. Listen to me, church. There's no greater time in the history of our world where we need people to stand firm on the word of God. We are living in a culture just like the Israelites that has been influenced by many other cultures. There are many different gods. And if we really were to be honest with ourselves and break them down, we can see those gods are right before us. And we give them so much of our time. We listen to them because we want to be loved and feel good and accepted by other people rather than secure, standing firm on the love that matters, which we see in God's word. Students, You're going to be tempted like none other from your professors, from your peers to sway away from God's word. But there is only one who is and is to come. It's not the one holding your grade in their hand. It's not the one holding your diploma in their hand. It is the one who holds your soul in their hand. At the end of the age, we are only held accountable to one. His name is Jesus. And we need to live our life understanding that today. And when you do, here is the hope. There is somebody who will follow. What do we see in this passage? 
Joshua declared this statement to the nation of Israel, and what happened? The people repented and followed his lead. They may not voice it to you, but they're watching you. They may not immediately come up and talk to you, but I promise they want you to talk to them. Because when we have Jesus, we hold the gift of life, a gift that has hope, a gift that is love. And in a world that is not stable, there are people who want stability. And they need your influence to show them that. Right after college, a buddy of mine got married. We went down a couple days prior to for his his bachelor weekend. While I was down there, some of my friends, we all went to dinner. We were at dinner, very normal dinner, uh, watching sports. And all of a sudden, they just kind of migrated out and started walking somewhere else, sung notes to me. I thought we were going back to the... Uh, the, the place where we were staying, and I was just going to hang out, go to bed, because I was pretty tired. I was kind of that guy. But no, they started walking another direction, mainly because they knew that I would not approve of what they were going to do, but they were going to do it anyways. As we walked down the streets of Charleston, South Carolina, we made our way to this place that was uh, a very lively bar. Now, at this lively bar, I, I kind of saw from the outside that there was some stuff going on on the inside that I did not feel very comfortable participating in, and I'll just leave you the G-rated version. There are people on the tables dancing, so it was not tap or jazz. It was some other stuff, and so I was on the outside looking in, and, and I realized in that moment that this is not a very good decision. I looked around me, and I'm, I There was nothing going on in the streets of Charleston. In fact, the only person that I saw was a homeless person. And and so I went and hung out in the market by myself as all of my peers went inside. Now, when you make a decision to follow Christ, I can't tell you that it's always going to feel great this side of heaven. In fact, oftentimes you may stand alone, but when you are standing, you're at least on a firm foundation. As I stood there, a buddy, I noticed, came walking back out. He came over, and he stood beside me and said, Man, I am so glad you're out here. I don't know why I walked inside. I said, Well, let's just hang out. Then, several minutes later, another friend of mine, who happened to be my accountability partner, I picked a really good one there, came walking out, and he just... You could just see it on his face. He said, I don't know why I went in there. Like, why didn't you stop me? I was like, you got to make decisions for yourself. You're a grown man. And so I, I just stood out there, and the three of us stood as the rest of our friends were inside. It was a very interesting night, but I can tell you this. Though I did not feel very accepted by my friends, there was a love that I really worried about more than anything else. Like, I wanted to honor Jesus. wanted to love him. And what happened? My friends saw, and they came. Y'all are going to be faced with many moments like that. And my hope is this, is that you, like Joshua, will be the one standing firm. Your friends will notice. And as a result, you'll have hope.
they'll have life. They'll have Christ. So graduates, village church, who will you serve? Will you serve the gods that waste away? Or will you serve the one, the true, the only God who loved you so much that he went to a cross, but three days later walked away? My hope is that you will choose him because he loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for these graduates. I thank you, God, for what they have meant in my life. And I pray, Jesus, I pray, God, wisdom over them. I pray protection over them, God. I pray, Lord, that they would come to the point in their life that they decide to follow you, Lord. I pray, Father, for the parents who are here today, God, if they have looked in their heart and said, I need to make this decision today, I pray, Jesus, that they would do so. And that we as leaders in this community would live a life setting this example for them, God. Lord, if there is anyone here today that is not secure in their faith with you, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just reassure them your love for them, God. And that they would give their life to you. And that we would decide to follow you and see what you will do. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.